about. But um, yeah, but you were down uh, having a great time doing a lot of business work, Tampa, traveling, a lot of Tampa. Gone for a while. Yeah, how was it coming back? Great to be back. I was gone for two weeks. That yeah. was insane. It's a long That's time. Just way too. It's way too long to be. I, I did get a chance to visit my mother while I was down in oh, Florida, nice. but. But it's just way too long to be to be away from family, and um, I think next time I do it, I'll do it on the tail end of a week trip as opposed mm. to you know linking together two weeks. Yeah, it's. Uh, but my wife was uh, luckily happy to see me, and no one had else had moved into my home, which I think was a real win. That's always what you. That's how you know something <laughs> went wrong on your trip when you come home and there's another dude who's your kids are calling dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been gone too long when that yeah, happens. That that's that is the the quintessential telltale sign. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, where are we at today, Martin? What are we doing? All right. Well, we are right in the middle of a podcast series that's really designed to allow people to experience the true abundance of Christ and the richness of life he wants for you. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, the first podcast of the series, I think that was episode three. Three. Yep. Yep. Called What We Tell Ourselves About Abundance. Uh, so in that podcast, we introduced the formula. So it's pretty simple. Forgiveness precedes freedom. Freedom precedes abundance, and abundance precedes riches. Mm. So in that order. Uh, We're about halfway through that formula right right. now. Episode four, we covered that Matthew principle and forgiveness. That's exciting. Uh, Episode five, we covered freedom that you get when you enter into forgiveness and you bump into that resistance and you approach it. And today, it's all about abundance. So each week we had a little bit of homework to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this is the first episode that you've listened to or somebody sent you this, uh, we'd really encourage you to go back to episode three. Start there. Uh, this week we cover abundance in a way that I don't think I've ever heard it before. I know I haven't, and I'm continually challenged by this uh, material. And I did a lot of study for this material because it's so radical. It's such a different way of thinking about it that I wanted to make sure we were absolutely 100% yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think many people uh, who have thought about uh, abundance in some way, uh, it's just hard. And I wonder if that has something to do with how they've accessed abundance in the past from Jesus. You know, the formula itself is essentially a progression, and that's really the key. You, you cannot skip around uh, and expect to have any real success. Matter of fact, skipping steps essentially only runs you headlong directly into those stories uh, that were put there during in your psyche during your adolescence, yeah. And you'll find yourself. A lot of people find themselves self sabotaging, uh, trying to essentially return back to a state that they understand about themselves, an identity they're comfortable with. I think Ed Millette puts it best. Uh, everybody has a thermostat, mm-hmm. and uh, the thermostat's job is to return you to a specific temperature. And if you don't change that temperature, that definition, mm-hmm. that identity you're going to do whatever it takes to get back to that identity. Mm-hmm. You're going to self-sabotage. You're going to give up on your dreams, so on and so yep. forth. And so um, so you can certainly skip around in the formula, no doubt about it. And many people do. Many people experience uh, abundance. They experience mm-hmm. riches only to find that they still need to deal deeply yeah. with freedom and they need to deal deeply with uh, with with their forgiveness. Because that bumps perfectly into you hit resistance in your process and you know right where to go back to. That's right. So... So the, to those people who are sort of ready to take the journey, uh, this episode is, is uh, we say this every time. You know, every time I keep thinking the next episode is going to be easier than this last yeah, one. Yeah, this yeah. one's actually not. It's actually, uh, it, it's actually extremely challenging. I, I was challenged, like I said, when I wrote it, both mm-hmm. to make sure that it was accurate and correct, but just on an emotional level. 
have I proceeded through the abundance mm. step of the of, of the formula? And I got to tell you, I think I sort of live here more than than the others. Mm. Yeah, because this is is going to come to the culmination of you you have these things that you don't want to share, and you put forward this other narrative. Oh yeah, and then you live this old narrative. So you you you're pulled in two places. That's right, and you're never here. You're never really your true self either, yep. which is super unfortunate. But if you're willing to essentially step into the resistance, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have the opportunity to experience the abundant life God has for you. I've seen glimpses of it. Like I catch, like I said, I'm in this phase right now myself. I'm working through these same things. And when I get it, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's equivalent of grabbing hold of like a live electrical line because it's, you just get a glimpse of what the power and opportunity is. And right. it really sort of blows you away. Most of the world, quite frankly, cannot even grasp the mm-hmm. ideas we're going to share today. They, they, even in the religious world, they really struggle for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't really get what abundance is, uh, mm-hmm. you get confusion about marriage. You mm-hmm. get confusion about reconciling death and suffering. Uh, you get it in dealing with personal loss. Uh, many Christians, and I was once among them, uh, misunderstand another core concept that we're going to touch on today, which is the gift and the giver. Uh, God is the giver, uh, and he gives many good gifts. Mm-hmm. And they begin to get the gift uh, really kind of confused in their heart with the giver. Mm-hmm. So take a middle note of this gift and giver concept, because we're going to return to this concept and explain how it relates to abundance. But first, let's explain the concept of abundance. In episode three, mm-hmm. like you said, we introduced the formula, and we established that God wants us to have an abundant life. But what is this abundance? Yep. Um, you know who we could turn to on this? The web. Um, we could turn to the old Webster dictionary, uh, to find out what the definition of abundance is. And it is an ample quantity. Simple. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like, it's a A lot, lot. right? It's a lot. That's right. It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, so basically it's the state of having more than what is needed in any given moment. Right. So here's uh, an interesting question. Yep. If you ample, uh, quantity, uh, state of having more than what is needed in any given moment. If you get a piece of paper next to you, if you're listening to this, first thing that pops into your mind when you think, I have an ample quantity of, just write that down. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be fun, right? So just sort of, that's a good way to like, okay, so to experience abundance in your life right now, what would that be that you yep. have an ample quantity about? And it may be bills. I have an ample quantity of bills, yeah. but it's probably not bills. Oh, yeah. We wouldn't say that. We'd socks? Say, I mean, yeah, who knows socks, an ample be. quantity of socks. Um, just identify something. Yeah, right. Some sort of ample quantity. Uh, and then maybe the inverse of that is uh, what you don't have an ample quantity of. Yeah, then you could flip it right yeah, on the other side. That's right. That's right. But Jesus said, uh, so, uh, said he came, he literally showed up on this planet mm-hmm. so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm. Um, and we're going to spend some time in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 exploring uh, some of these concepts. In mm-hmm. verse 8, the Bible says, again, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Bible says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. But uh, as many of the health and wealth preachers out there, uh, if you're not familiar with that term, just Google health and wealth uh, preachers, and it'll show you a whole bunch of fun stuff uh, out there have put it, this abundance thing seems like a guarantee from God. So Mm. basically this just seems like it's, uh, wow, if we buy into God, maybe send my check in to get that guy that jet, uh, then I am going to be guaranteed a good life. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what that means. And and there are many out there who would say life, quite frankly, is not well, uh, that they are not experiencing abundance, mm-hmm. uh, that they struggle to make the rent, that they struggle to put food on the table, mm-hmm. um, 
And that's where health and wealth theology sort of falls apart for many. So yep. a lot of people's first brush with with God is is tuning into one of these preachers or attending a church where this is their theme. Mm-hmm. And they hear this and they wonder why it just doesn't seem to apply to them. And mm-hmm. I, I really hate that because yeah. that that really can put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Because, and it affirms that old narrative. I'm not good enough. It can't happen to me. All of that stuff. That's right. Because if God is truly health and wealth and I don't have it, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. That's where you end up landing. Uh, When I was a child, um, I grew up very poor. Uh, We actually lived in the kind of neighborhood, and I'm sure everybody's been to a neighborhood like this, uh, the kind of neighborhood that had a drive-in porn theater. It was called Mm -hmm. the Red Bluff Drive-In Theater at the end of our street, literally at the end of our neighborhood. A couple houses down? uh, It was walkable. Okay. It was walkable. Uh, At the end of our street, we had this uh, drive-in porn theater. We didn't have uh, video games uh, or phones or anything like that, partly because of the time, partly because we were dirt poor. Mm -hmm. We literally, our good times were playing in ditches next to... uh, broken shopping carts and some sort of green slime of questionable origin. Yeah. I distinctly remember my mother coming and picking me up or looking for me in the neighborhood after school one day and finding me in a ditch, <laughs> a nasty ditch. And that was my idea of a wow. good time. Yeah, I know that during those times, there was actually not, I, I did not know about this thing because my okay. mother was very good at hiding it. Um, uh, she never told me, but my stepfather told me that there were times where my mother had to make a, a hard choice. And the choice was would I eat that night or would she eat that night? Wow. So, wow. So I doubt during that time, like many of our struggling single mothers out there listening to this podcast, that she was in a place where she would say, where she would seriously question a guarantee of abundance. Yeah. If we just take a pause right there, just everybody's listening, myself included, we can resonate with that. There's that struggle of thinking about abundance. Like, yeah. That's real. That's, that's not a polite church conversation. No, it's not because you don't get to go to church and say God is not showing up for me. Right, um, and yep. that's a hard. And, and then to go and everyone else pretend as though they live in this amazing world of abundance and everything is going great. That's that's a tough place to be. And everybody knows it's not true. Right, but here's sort of the the the, the paradox. It, it's because their definition of abundance is a little out of whack. Yep, and we're going to get deep into that. Yep. So trust me, when you get your definition right, trust me when I say that God's desire is absolutely to provide you with an abundant life. And that was as true uh, for me then as a child in a ditch as much as it is true right now. Matter of fact, just this week, um, I received three reports from from three people I I really care deeply about. Um, between them, uh, a huge business deal was lost. A test, uh, this, this guy took a test. Uh, that if he passed it, it would really determine the course of his life going mm. forward. It wasn't passed. Mm. He got bad results. Mm. And another guy did a, a life-changing job interview, and uh, and he bombed it. And mm. he knew it. He knew yeah. it as soon as he hung up the phone. And uh, I love these guys so much. I really honestly felt their pain very personally uh, and very deeply. Because, uh, and, and for example, for one instance, uh, the guy who lost the business deal, I had encouraged him mm-hmm. to go into business for himself. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I immediately thought, what have I done? Mm. What if this guy can't provide for his family? And I encouraged him to go. Mm. Um, And so I felt that really deeply. And in that moment, um, even with what I know now, even with what we're going to cover today, and I know it Mm -hmm. intellectually, I know it. I questioned abundance. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually stopped to ask myself an important question, which I think you should do if you find yourself in these moments, by the way. Does what I just found out mean that what God teaches us is not true? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, of course, I immediately said, oh, no, I didn't. Yep. I wish I could say I immediately said it. But after many moments of reflecting on it, I did decide that uh, God's word is still true. Mm-hmm. 
And in that exact moment, the moment that I said, no, God's word's still true. In that exact moment, I knew everything was actually going to be okay. I found new energy to encourage these folks and support my friends. And I made a few phone calls, which is always hard to do. Again, because yeah. I felt in many ways responsible for some of these guys' uh, situations. There was a narrative that you were in at that moment. That's right. Mm-hmm. And But instead, I decided to pick up the phone call uh, because I didn't know what I'd say. You know, here I am, God's got you, and, and these mm-hmm. bad things are happening. What would I say to these guys? Uh, but I did pick up the phone, and I called. And what was really amazing, I tell you what the real testimony of that whole thing was. What was amazing to me on the other side of the phone call, God had already worked yeah. on these people, and they had already had other options and mm-hmm. opportunities. And we got to talk and be excited about mm-hmm. those. But just in your in your statement here, and what's profound for me, you were able to, in that moment, choose a different way to approach it. You had a feeling and a thought, but you set those aside and you approach it from a king's perspective. That's and right. You, stood, you stepped into it. That's important to say that. Yeah. And it, it was it was really interesting. But I digress a little bit. I know we're here to talk about mm-hmm. abundance, but uh that that in that moment, you know, I questioned abundance, which mm-hmm. was really surprising because in the middle of writing this. Uh, but so so I thought I would include it in case anyone else is having but, very similar but we'll experiences. Hang on to that, that shows back up in in one of our main characters today. Interesting. So most people don't see abundance um most people who don't see abundance have essentially regressed down the formula. Uh, and this is what I did. I went back to asking questions about who God was. Mm-hmm. Is he who is he who he says he is? Mm-hmm. So if you're not experiencing abundance, you're probably back down the formula. The other way that sometimes people will miss abundance is they don't understand a abundance and the two principles of mm-hmm. abundance. And these principles uh, are really important. And we're going to cover both of them today. Mm-hmm. They apply to the poor kid, right? Yeah. And and more importantly, apply to my mom then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also applies to uh, uh, my friends who receive the bad news. Mm-hmm. So let's just dig into these two principles. If you have your Bibles open, uh, let's open them up to, uh, if you're driving, please don't open your Bible. Uh, I, although, if you get in a car wreck and you have your Bible in the dashboard, there's <laughs> got to be something there. I don't know, like a Jesus airbag. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, don't do not do that. Don't do that. Uh, but if you do have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The first principle of abundance, the first one, we're going to find it here. The second one, which we'll cover in a few minutes, we'll actually find in Luke 10, 27. It's repeated in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, as well as Deuteronomy. And I really like the fact it was it was repeated in Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy was written seven centuries yeah. before Jesus Christ ever even showed up on the scene. So the first principle of abundance is almost always presented as a prosperity doctrine in the context of tithing and giving. Mm. Uh, so doctrine is just a fancy way of saying a, a belief, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the context of tithing and giving. And that is uh, that is a good surface reading. If you read essentially uh, uh, Corinthians 9, that's a good surface reading of that, mm-hmm. uh, of the scripture. But if you unpack it and you take it in the context of the broader scripture. Mm-hmm. So all of God's word hangs together. Mm-hmm. None of it is apart from the other. It's all a, a framework that mm-hmm. hangs together. Mm-hmm. If we decide to unpack it in that context, the context of the broader scripture, uh, we'll find the keys to abundance. This letter was written uh, uh, to the church at Corinth uh, by Paul, uh, who wrote a good chunk of the Bible. Uh, and he, at this point that he writes the letter, he had actually already suffered greatly uh, yeah. for the cause of Christ. He was, he had already talked about the thorn in his side. He was having a lot of challenges, but he writes this letter, chapter nine, verse six. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly 
or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Come back to that. And God also is able to bless you, and this is the abundance part, and God is also able to bless you you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will have uh, abund- or you will have you will abound in every good work. Hidden in here is an immutable law, like the Matthew principle, right? It's a it's an immutable law. Remember, immutable laws are laws of the universe. They literally impact believers and non-believers mm-hmm. just the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I wish I I could say <laughs> that I have always been an amazing Christian and I learned this by a deep Bible study. But I actually learned this immutable law. Uh, uh, I learned it playing craps. <laughs> um, don't worry, I'm reformed. Uh, <laughs> But uh, you can learn, I'm not kidding, you can learn a lot about humanity uh, if you spend about 12 hours standing at a craps table in Tunica, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was a cra- we literally stood there for 12 hours. It was a crazy night. Wow. Uh, I would watch people, and this is what was funny. So people come and go in that 12 hours. Right. My favorite were the guys who had the last $25. Like they're okay. headed out the door of the casino. It's over. Uh, and they always, these guys, these $25 guys, they always lose their money or it would be the guy who's standing there. He's got maybe a hundred bucks and his girlfriend's over his shoulder, clearly concerned about every dollar this guy is spending. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so it's these guys, right? So what's interesting about these guys, everything about these guys was tense, right? Mm. Uh, the way they placed their bets was tense. Uh, they were smiling and acting like they didn't care, but everything about their body language gave them away. If they were playing poker, yeah. Dude, call, okay, call, because <laughs> these guys don't have anything, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but because of the immutable law, they were all, the one I'm about to cover, the immutable law I'm about to cover, uh, they were all but guaranteed to lose their money. Mm. Contrast that with the old guys at the table, right? These guys are the winners, right? They always have a few thousand dollars in chips in front of them, and they place large bets, and they place them everywhere. Uh, they don't really smile much, right? They're not a lot of outward, you know, yep. I'm going to make it. Yay, I'm such a winner. Uh, but they rolled the dice as if they could care less about the outcome. You Literally, these guys, you could see them, they would just, and it was so smooth. Mm-hmm. Their movements were smooth. Their bets were sure. When they placed a bet, they just placed it. At their core, they had a calm indifference about the outcome. And these guys won money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. It's probably why I never win at a craps table. <laughs> Because I'm like, oh my god, that's fifty. That's like, oh, that's fifty bucks, right? Right. Um, but mm-hmm. so consciously or subconsciously, these these old guys, uh, they knew something the losers did not know, and they knew the immutable law. So I've hinted at it. Here yep, it is. Yep. The immutable law is desperate money never wins. Uh, this law is mm. everywhere. It's everywhere. Mm. A guy, uh, you know, doesn't have a girlfriend. Desperate to get a girlfriend, he never gets the girl. Nope. A desperate job seeker rarely gets the job. Mm-hmm. The momentum for these guys, these losers, these guys who who are desperate, it's mm-hmm. all off and it's essentially heading the wrong direction. This is where the Matthew principle really works against them. Mm-hmm. These are people, uh, these people are losers. Uh, they've already lost before they even approach the table or ask the girl or apply for the job. They've already lost. Desperate money never wins. And, and again, I'm going to bring this back to the Bible because I know people are sort of starting to wonder what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another way of saying 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And remember how I said we're going to come back to this. God loves a cheerful giver. If you are desperate money, you are never going to be a cheerful giver. Right. You're just never going to be. Uh, giving when you think money is scarce, resources are scarce, giving is rarely charitable. Mm-hmm. It is a loser's bet on God. Mm. It's a loser's bet on God. Yeah, sitting that in for a little bit. Yeah, because what are you really doing? You're saying, well, 
I guess I'll let me let me give a little to get. I'll I'll give cheerfully. Yay! Maybe God will show up. This will be good. I'll get blessed for this. Yeah, back and, to the polite church conversations. That's right, and back to the uh, the health and wealth doctrine. Mm-hmm. It's a problem because that becomes God's now a bet. He's a bet you're making, and the problem is you're desperate money, and you're a loser, and desperate money never lends, wins, and you're not a cheerful giver. It's what Paul calls a begrudging gift, mm. right? It's it's why giving to get is broken. It's why health and wealth-based ministries are broken. You cannot start from scarcity. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. cannot start your giving. You cannot be a cheerful giver. You cannot start that from scarcity. Right. And in order to get that abundance that's in the next part of Corinthians 9, right, 9-8, right, is you have got to first start with this idea of being a cheerful giver. Jesus actually tells us this point blank. <laughs> Straight out. <laughs> I love this guy. Being a cheerful giver has nothing to do with the amount of money you have. So, so the reason why we know this is in Mark 12, 41, uh, he said, he, uh, the Bible says, many rich men give cheerfully from their abundant possessions, but mm-hmm. a widow ga- uh, gives all she has to live on what amounts to a few pennies. So you got rich men giving from their abundance. You got mm-hmm. another person who's giving really last that she has to give. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jesus is watching this and hanging out with his disciples. She, he sees this happening. He, he takes the opportunity to explain a, this principle. Mm-hmm. Truly, I tell you, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty mm-hmm. and put in everything all she has to live on. Mm-hmm. You would think, oh, she's giving out of scarcity. She's giving. She has desperate money. No, mm-hmm. if it was desperate, she'd have held on to those last yep. two pennies because she needed it to eat later. Right. It was not given out of desperation. Yeah. So that was the first principle. Mm-hmm. Desperate money never wins. Right. So you got this. You got this woman who's poor. She's given. Right. She gives the last bit of her money. How can she do that? Because she gets the second principle of abundance. The second principle is the one that enables you to be a truly cheerful giver, to destroy your scarcity mm-hmm. mindset and to that. live in abundance, to progress, essentially to progress through the formula. Yep. The second principle states that you must learn to have, to so this is the principle, yep. to have everything while possessing nothing. Hmm. Let's just say that again. To have everything to have everything while possessing nothing. Sounds very paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound possible. How mm-hmm. can I have everything but possess nothing? Yep. The widow woman, she had everything and possessed nothing. Right? She knew that what we all must truly understand is that even what you have, you do not truly possess. You do not possess your money. You do not possess your home. You do not possess <laughs> your cars. Sooner we can figure it out, we can... Uh, God can open the floodgates of abundance, but we got to get we got to get into what it means, right? So to get there, we must understand uh, what Jesus meant when he asked to summarize the Bible. So again, how do we get there? How do we get this having and not possessing? Mm-hmm. So a Pharisee, the Pharisees were real tricksters. They oh, really yeah. enjoyed this whole process of tripping Jesus up. They were trying because he was essentially there to tear down their entire power structure, and they didn't dig it right. Yep. So they sent their best expert out. This guy was an expert in the law, and he had the perfect question. He thought mm. to really trip Jesus up. <laughs> he said, "Teacher," and I like that. You know, he shows the respect. Hey, teacher, you're yeah. you're a teacher. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Mm-hmm. And of course, Jesus. Uh, is is pretty slick guy. Mm-hmm. He turns around and says, love thy God with all your heart and equally love thy neighbor as thyself. This is Jesus. So this is the second principle. 
this is Jesus telling you all, that all the laws, the Ten Commandments, basically the entire history of man and his relationship with God, all boil down into a phrase that would essentially fit on the back of a cocktail napkin, <laughs> right? So the entire Bible, boom, cocktail napkin. Yep, there it is. Uh, now, we're not going to actually focus on uh, on loving your neighbor here, uh, but we will focus on the first one, which is love thy God with all your heart. And remember, this is the one that shows up in three uh, mm. three. Um, Gospels and also mm-hmm. shows up in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. seven years before or seven. He's actually quoting, by the way, right. he's something that was written seven centuries ago in Deuteronomy, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so we're we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna focus on love thy God with all your heart and how that unlocks having everything and possessing nothing. The second principle, cheerful giver, the first one. Mm-hmm. Second principle, having everything but possessing nothing. Yep. Okay. And how and how how does it work with this whole God uh, loving God with all your heart? How do you get there? There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Abraham. Uh, if you ever attended Sunday school, uh, you'll know this song. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. There you go. That's the one. And we've just uh, sung for that's you. That's right. You're welcome. Um, that was bonus material. Yeah. Um, he had many sons because God promised him that he would be the father of many nations. Right? Uh, keep in mind, at the time this promise was made, uh, Abraham was 75 years old. Mm-hmm. I imagine you have your childless. God shows up. You're 75 years old. You're kind of thinking about retirement. Uh, and he comes along and he says, I'm going to give you a son. And by the way, his wife was past childbearing age. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but one day God fulfills his promise and gives Abraham a son. Imagine. And there are many, many people listening to this right now who want a children, want a child desperately. Mm-hmm. They're trying to adopt. They're trying to have a child. They're going mm-hmm. through many painful uh, procedures in mm-hmm. order to have a child. Imagine having, wanting a child with all your heart. And not only do you get a son, not only does God give you the son, but this son is literally a miracle. It's a Mm -hmm. full on miracle. And it's the fulfillment of God's promise to you. Imagine that. Imagine what it'd be like to get, get a child you so desperately wanted. Mm -hmm. And then to know it was given to you by God in a miracle format. Right. And then to also know that it's how God is going to fulfill everything else he's promised you. Needless to say, Abraham loved this child. Absolutely. So much so that God began to notice that Abraham was more focused on the gift. This is the gift and the giver. The gift than he was on the giver, God. The son, the gift, had taken the place of God in Abraham's heart. So did God? Did Abraham love God with all his heart? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. He loved his son a little bit more. So neighbor, Abraham did not just have a son. He possessed him in his yep. heart. Yep. Seeing this, God asked Abraham to prepare his son or prepare to sacrifice his son, kill his son, put his son on an altar where they normally slaughtered lambs mm-hmm. and kill him. Mm-hmm. This sacrifice was not the act of a jealous God, as many would have you believe. Mm-hmm. This was the act of a God that knew what kind of man Abraham was going to have to be to fulfill his destiny. He had to be a man who put God first. Mm-hmm. And we know how the story ends. Right, We know how the story ends. Abraham wrestles with this, but he decides to trust the Lord. Raising the knife, at the last possible moment, God intervenes and sends an angel and, and, and spares Abraham's son. Again, this whole drama was not for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Abraham wouldn't prove anything to God. God right. knew the outcome of everything. But what was important is Abraham had to know that God was first in his heart, mm-hmm. Right, that he never had... Uh, what God was giving him, right? He never had it, or rather, he never possessed it. Yeah, it wasn't that he possession it, thing? Right, it wasn't that possession thing. Yeah, he learned to trust God even when there was confusion and incomplete information. Mm-hmm. He learned how to act on faith, not mm. desperation. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's so perfectly stated. Act on faith, not desperation. Mm. 
right? And I also like that whole idea of incomplete information mm-hmm. and confusion. Every day. He was not, he went, he went like, oh, I know exactly how this is going to work out. No problem. Yep. He, he went and he did it because he was acting on faith. And again, this was, story was not for God. This story was for Abraham. He needed to know who was first. Mm. So after this experience, after God, after Abraham knew that he could put his prized possession in God's hands, right? he knew he could do it. He knew, in other words, he knew he could do it. He he always knew God sort of had him, but Abraham had faith in himself mm-hmm. to have faith in God, yep. right? So after this experience, do you think he struggled to give or invest his precious resources? Right. No. From that moment on, he was like the best craps player ever, right? He placed large bets. He didn't do it with a fake smile or out of abundance, but he did it out of faith. He could put the resource on the table, not worrying if it would provide a return. Mm-hmm. It honestly did not matter if his, uh, if his risked assets returned anything at all because they were all God's possessions, mm-hmm. which he had, yep. but they were God's possessions. While Abraham had them, had these things, he did not possess them anymore. And just imagine to, to counteract the, the magnitude we're placing on Abraham and then the, the woman who gave her last two pennies. It's the same story. But exactly. It's the same story. And that's the, to me, that's the what's so cool about the Bible is how well it all hangs together. Mm-hmm. It's the same story. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, many people, uh, especially people who have been around uh, Christian theology for a good chunk of their life, who knew the Father Abraham song, for example, <laughs> uh, and we're singing along in their cars, you know you were. Um, many people listening will say, hey, you know, I thought there was going to be a tough podcast. You guys said it was going to yeah. be tough. Yeah. I, but I got this. Mm-hmm. I... I so from abundance, got it, not scarcity, got it, trust God, no problem. Uh, take the place of God in my heart. No, God is hashtag number one. Boom. Right? I got this, right? I go to church every Sunday. I pray. Everything I do is good, right? I try. I see God's guidance, so on and so forth. I got this. Uh, but when I hear that response from people, and I'll tell you why, uh, because whenever I went through this next exercise, uh, I was challenged. Mm-hmm. When I hear that response of people, warning bells go off for me. Yep. I, a matter of fact, I'm immediately reminded of the rich man, mm-hmm. uh, the rich man who came to Jesus and said, but, G- but Jesus, I've all these commandments I've kept since birth. And Jesus said, go and give away all your money and follow me. And the rich man uh, got real sad and uh, he left and we never heard from him again. Nope. Right. Never mentioned again. That guy probably thought, oh, I got this. Yeah, I simple. understand all of this. So if you think accessing God's abundance mindset, right, that the, the abundance mindset needed to connect you with the richness of God, if you think you've got that. If you think you're good, um, uh, let's put that to the test. Yep. Yep. So before we do this, if yeah. you're driving, if this is if you're around uh, uh, youngsters, use your discretion here. Uh, this is not a polite conversation you'll ever have in church. It's not, and quite frankly, I would argue it, it's a conversation most people don't want to have. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this again later because it's in my notes, but I want to I want to I want to say it right now too. You can have a good life. Uh, living in the first two por- portions of the formula. Mm-hmm. You're you are forgiven, you're going to heaven, and you can spend the rest of your life sort of working through your stories and getting better mm-hmm. and having some abundance. But if you really want to blow all of that up and you really want to chase God and you really want to see what he can do in your life, which is some amazing things, mm-hmm. then you need to be ready to put God as number one in your heart. So let's, let's go through this. Yep. Let's right. go through this. So this is a scenario... And again, 
<clears throat> again, I want you to really embrace the scenario, and I want you to really kind of, if you can, close your eyes. If you mm-hmm. can be in a quiet space to hear this, mm-hmm. uh, do that. Mm-hmm. But just be so ready. Take all your senses. I want you to really think about it. So, a powerful demon has appeared in front of you. It is clear he's the real deal. Mm. To demonstrate his power, with a snap of his fingers, you are both transported to a black void. You are neither floating nor standing. It is not hot. It is not cold. It just is. There is not a sound except for his voice. You are just there, and he is in front of you. Needless to say, you're a little freaked out. Mm. Um, He... Or begins to uh, propose a series of options. He says, the, the demon says, renounce your God or I will re- erase your career and you will have to start from scratch. You say no and instantly you have no memory of your job or even any specific skills you might have possessed. The demon continues, renounce your God or lose all your wealth and you will be homeless. Again, you say no. Instantly, you have 20 years of memories where you are homeless and no recollection of a home or even having a bank account. The demon continues. Renounce your God or your wife will cease to exist. She will never have been. The demon continues on. Renounce your God or one of your children will be stricken with a debilitating illness and she will live the rest of her long life in agonizing pain. The demon continues on once more. Renounce your God, or I will kill your other child, but only after she has been raped repeatedly. What would you do? That is literally the question Abraham faced. And like God's challenge to Abraham, God is not cruel. He actually does not want to harm your children. He loves them as much as he loves you, but he does want you to take an honest assessment. Mm-hmm. of who sits on the throne of your heart. Is it him? Do you renounce him to save the things, the gifts he has given you? Do you renounce him to save your children, to save your wife, mm-hmm. the gifts he has given you? Mm-hmm. And I tell you, uh, this is not my notes, but I'll tell you, I understand the story of Job now mm-hmm. in a way I did not understand yeah. it before. Yeah. He wants to know and more importantly, he wants you to know mm-hmm. who sits on the throne. Yeah. yeah. When it's God who sits on the throne, you will, um, when you know, when you really know that God sits on the throne, you will be able to make the same decision that a high schooler did when she found mm-hmm. a gun pointed at her head. And she had just watched several of her classmates gunned down. And now it was her turn to answer the question. Do you renounce your God? And she did not. And she is no longer with us. That day she heard the voice of God saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You ran the race and you kept the faith. And that's a real story of a girl who, uh, uh, during the Columbine shooting, she was identified uh, by one of the shooters as a Christian student. And that was the last question and the last answer she ever gave. God said on the throne of her heart, um, we can all live good lives, as I said before, stuck in mm-hmm. the earlier phases of the formula, mm-hmm. faith and freedom. We'll make our bills, uh, we'll attend soccer games, and mm-hmm. we may even achieve some of our dreams. 
but we will never experience the true abundance Christ has for us unless we put him above literally everything else, Mm. everything. We will always be playing with desperate money. Mm-hmm. There will always be something Satan could could threaten mm-hmm. that you would be willing to renounce your God for. Yep. And as a result, you will always be vulnerable and desperate, trying to hang on and possess and, and protect those possessions. Mm-hmm. Living in in ignorance of the great abundance. You'll never experience the great abundance God is ready to pour out on you. Because he knows that some of those things may become your possessions and take place mm-hmm. of him in your heart. Yep, become an idol. So I believe this is why the health and wealth preachers are preaching false teaching. Uh, while Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 appears to be all about giving, it in reality is mm-hmm. about the cheerful giver. Yep. And that does not mean putting a smile on your face when we give. It means recognizing that we have everything but possess nothing. It is all God's. God is number one in our heart. Mm-hmm. That it is all God's. None of it is desperate money because you cannot lose what you don't possess. <laughs> it's really simple. It's really simple. You are playing with the king's assets. He does not want you to bury it. Mm-hmm. He wants you to put it at risk. He wants you to put it at risk for his kingdom and the people in it. Mm-hmm. And when you stop playing with desperate money, that is when it starts to flow freely through you. You will experience real abundance in that moment. So... Wow, right? It's big. It is big. And and I I was like I said I had like we had a long my my, my wife and I had a long chat about this one and mm-hmm. uh we just uh, we were the, the the more we talked about this, the more the hunger to be that close with our creator mm-hmm. started to creep in. And we got real honest with each other. And I'm not going to share that here, but we got mm-hmm. real honest with each other what we thought was the thing that set. Mhm on the uh, on the throne mm-hmm. that was number one and again most people say oh god's number one but that's because they're comparing it against their job sure. or they're comparing it against their home or their wealth or whatever but let's talk about things you really care about yep is he number one over those things and mm-hmm. he wants to be mm-hmm. um so if you did the first step in the formula and you received your forgiveness good that's great yep. uh and you unpack the stories you tell yourself in the second step and you accepted your freedom uh, then you're good, right? And not like I yeah. said, I can't stress enough. You can live a good life there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take your life to the next level, where we're going, mm-hmm. right? Where we're all going uh, on this podcast to be all that God has called you to be. I have a bit of homework for you, as I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as usual, it's simple, uh, but very hard. Just like Jesus to the rich, rich man. Exactly. Simple, but very hard. Over the never, uh, so so I'm going to give you a prayer. I'm going to give you a prayer. And over the next seven days, I want you to pray this prayer once a day. And do not, and this is the trick, yep. do not fear God's response. He is a loving father and he will not betray you. Yep. And it, before I get into this prayer, uh, right here would be an opportunity for you to just rip out some old narrative. Because when you do not fear God's response because he is a loving father, and he will not betray you. That's where you can find narrative about insecurities and fears that you currently have. Because I got to tell you, when you hear this prayer, you're going to be a little afraid. Yep. You really honestly are going to be a little afraid. But that's really the point of the prayer. Yep. I told you it's going to be a little hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully you went through our exercise with our demon mm-hmm. and you started to understand what it means to put God as number one and how powerful that can be. But let's let's start now. Let's talk about what you can do to get there. 
Yep. And that's this prayer. So Martin, if you would, if you would read the prayer, I think that would be phenomenal. All right. Dear Lord, there are things, people and relationships sitting on the throne of my heart. I ask that you ruthlessly rip them out. I don't want to just love you. I want to love you above all things. I want to experience your abundance by having everything, but possessing nothing. I invite you into those deep, deep, dark places, those corners of my life. Help me as I seek to know you. Help me to understand your nature and not fear your response as I seek to place you on the throne of my heart. Amen. That's a tough one, especially ruthlessly ripping it out. Yeah. I got to tell you, if there's a cancer in your body and your surgeon can politely rip it out, could, you know, maybe just start with a little bit of the cancer and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Or while he's got your chest open, he can get in there and ruthlessly rip out every bit of cancer that threatens your life. That's yeah. what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. And in this way, God is your surgeon and you're inviting him in to ruthlessly rip out the things that are between you and him. Um, and you got to be able to trust him to, to even ask for this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part is really, like you said, it's that narrative. Mm-hmm. You got to trust him. He's not going to betray you. So. With that prayer, I'm reminded of Proverbs 3:11 through 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about what you're asking for. This is a God who loves you will provide this for you. So if you prayed that prayer, you are one step closer to opening up your hands and letting go of that which you have held on to so tightly. Yeah. And again, I'm, if you did it once, that's great, but I really ask that you do it for the next seven days for the, to the next podcast. Just every day, really short prayer, put it all out there. But I will say that if you said it this time, you're already closer to understanding that God has your kids. God has your job. Mm-hmm. God has your marriage. He has given it all to you to have but not to possess because possessions tend to possess the person as opposed to the other way around. Mm -hmm. Right. And he does not want that. So now that you sort of get that you're getting there, God can now start to flow through you and bless the world. Riches will enter one hand and frictionless, frictionlessly, frictionlessly Mm -hmm. flow out the other. You are beginning to possess a mustard seed faith that can go on and move literal mountains. You are entering the kingdom of God and everything is about to change if you will take on this challenge. Uh, and I will be right there with you this week. And I look forward to actually yeah. hearing what you what your experience was mm-hmm. with this process, yeah. with this prayer. Absolutely. Uh, but I'll be with I'll be there with you. We'll talk about it again next week. But like I said, I'm here. This is where I am in the formula. I am I am not a ninja master expert Christian. Uh, I am just like everyone else listening yep. to this podcast. But God really revealed a lot to me as I was writing this and just really challenged me. And uh, I mean, I've, I tell you what, the, the feeling that came from this process is I just want to love him. Mm. I just want to know him more. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're willing to give it all to him and let him sit on the throne, man, you are no longer playing with desperate money. Yep. Right, you're no longer playing with desperate money. You are a cheerful giver, and God sits on the throne of your heart. These two things 
are the principle. I said three things. I said literally said three things. But the two things are yep. cheerful giver and throne of the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked a lot about how to get there. Mm-hmm. But if you can really grasp these two concepts, which essentially sum up a big chunk of the Bible, mm-hmm. then you are very close to getting it. Yep. Very close to getting it. And I got a lot closer th- this this week. And uh, no, I know Martin. You went through this and, and read a lot of it prior to this, and had mm-hmm. had, had some uh, response. But uh, I trust you are able to work through that, and yeah, being able to come here and get ready. Yeah, it's it's nice because it it continues to f- bring those things that I want to resist, and it just like it, it all gets big. You it does. Can, you can just feel right. That's where I need to be right now. I know. Um, I know as you went through that process with a demon and, and um, you were telling me that, you know, even as you pictured people you loved in that mm-hmm. scenario, mm-hmm. that one hit you. That yeah. one hit you really hard. Yeah. And it will. It should. It's supposed to. Yeah. Especially when you just let yourself just be in that with all of your senses, let your body and your mind just give you that feedback. Mm. And then you can find where you need to focus. I like, I like that because that's where the resistance is. And as we yep. mentioned last week, that's what you should be running into, not yep. away from. Yep. So uh, thanks for spending this time with us again. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, please do. And remember to leave us a review on iTunes and Google. Uh, reviews are the way that people find this podcast mm-hmm. who maybe don't get it forwarded to them by a friend. Yep. Uh, the higher we rank, the more it'll be exposed to new people. It's almost like a kind of ministry in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find links to all of our social media pages, uh, our YouTube channel, our iTunes, Google at 1720.org forward slash podcast. That's also a great way to share uh, this content. That way, if someone's on an iPhone or mm-hmm. maybe they got an Android phone, it doesn't really matter. They can go to that link and find, yep. find the appropriate podcast. Finally, be sure to follow our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com uh, forward slash 1720.org. And the .org is in that URL. Mm-hmm. And subscribe to our newsletter at 1720.org dot org og org well martin thank you so much for your time and we will see everybody again next week you bet i'm looking forward to it me too take care